Mr. Molina. What's up, everybody? How are you, sir? Hey, uh, I'm doing really good, man, considering all the all the things that are happening in the world. Oh, it is. Uh, uh, so. I know. I like the new microphone. It's That's nice. You guys, you, you think it's going to be... Uh, yeah, so so like the new microphone, uh, yeah, and this week has been crazy. So um, for all of those uh, those listeners out there, I I wanted to we can go ahead and introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Mark Ferris, adjunct faculty at uh, Northwest Vista College in mass communication. Yes, and thank you, Mark. I'm Tim Molina. I'm the discipline leader for mass communication, if that sounds fancy enough. Um, but when people ask me, what do you do? I, I teach media studies as well as uh, so does Mark there at Northwest Vista College. Of course, we're virtual in fall 2020. And it's been a ride because we're both parents, uh, stay-at-home parents, stay-at-home teachers, uh, and supplementing our children's education at the elementary level. So we're just continuing to try to thrive through this thing in hopes that, um, you know, we get a vaccine uh, that's safe to take, of course. Um, and uh, we, can, we continue to keep our numbers down in Bear County. I think this week we had uh, reported, I think Monday or Tuesday, zero uh, fatalities due to COVID. So that was a big accomplishment, uh, I'm sure, for the city officials and for, for us as the community. So uh, we're, we're, we're in the thick of this. We're putting a timestamp on this podcast as well as others because I think, you know, um, you know as well as I do, Mark, that we can't do media studies without considering the context that we're in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's just been a whirlwind for everybody and uh but that's who we are that's what we're we're, uh, we're wanting to do is is share our knowledge of course but also bring in experts in their respective fields and we're really excited today because we were able to land a uh a true investigative journalist in the field uh who works for the express news for our city so we're really excited today. I don't know about you, Mark, but I'm pretty amped up. I only had like one cup of coffee so far. <laughs> Absolutely. No, yeah, this is really exciting. Uh, we're, we're starting to, starting to definitely get some, uh, some, some really cool people on here. Uh, we started strong with, um, with, a, um, with a, the author of the textbook, which is really cool. Um, and of course, uh, speaking with Linda Cuellar, who... Uh, is very near and dear to our hearts, but uh, we're definitely getting a lot of people now that that actually work in the medium, and and work in the media, uh, and so that that's great. Um, so one thing, one kind of fun thing I wanted to do this week was, uh, so I uh, I'm going to do a hapless plug. So there's a podcast uh, and and radio show on NPR called It's Been a Minute, uh, hosted by Sam Sanders. Uh, I actually went to college with Sam Sanders at the University of the Incarnate Word here in in uh, San Antonio for the, the one year that I was there. Uh, so we kind of go back, uh, but he starts his show uh, with his guests um, talking about uh, uh, putting, summarizing their, their weeks into five words. 
So uh, I thought we could kind of play, play a game, play along. Uh, and uh, so, so discuss our week in, in five words. And I think, uh, I think my five words would be um, uh, quality matters. Uh, let's see, quality matters. Um, Howard Zinn and, uh, and parent, right? So, so you kind of hit on, on some of those. Uh, it, yeah, we are, we are in the middle of a, of a pandemic and we are uh, having to teach our children from home. Um, quality matters. I've been taking a, uh, a quality matters workshop to become a peer reviewer, uh, which has been kind of intense. It's been a, it's been a lot. Um, and then, uh, and then Howard Zinn. So in the, in the news this week, uh, and actually this is a, an ongoing story that's happening right now. Um, we, I, I, I'm in, I'm in interested to, to get our, our, uh, guests view on this, um, story, but, uh, so Donald Trump, President Trump has, uh, put forward a executive order creating a, um, a task force, a team to generate and create patriotic education. Uh, in a speech yesterday, he downplayed uh, Howard Zinn's uh, 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 history book, the, the, people's, uh, the People's History, uh, the People's American History as, uh, as propaganda. Uh, and so, yeah, so you have been teaching a media literacy class. So I, I'm curious to uh, to get your take on this. But first, before we get into that, what's uh, what, what's your five words for this week? Yeah, just <laughs> five words, right? After all that, uh, well, I, I almost wanted to change them now, um, it, and it's I shouldn't laugh, but you know it's okay. So let me let me give you the five as I, I just wrote them down here as you were talking. I'm really trying to pay attention to what you're saying. <laughs> And uh, I think for, for building the, the week, it was, uh, let's see, I've got a couple. I'm going to save the first one for the last because I think it's a little bit lighter and I think it's, uh, it's brought me a lot of joy for some reason. But uh, I'm going to start pretty heavy because I think this is uh, kind of where the conversation was going or the thoughts that you had this week uh about this patriotic uh, american task force which by the way is um you know preceded by what last week what is uh read in the in the news uh, at least about uh the uh i don't know what i want to say like expulsion or 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 just uh a, a, a sort of a canceling of critical race theory training at the federal level so um i'm gonna go there I'm going to, I'm going to say that, uh, what's been on my mind, I've, I've been exploring a little bit. So the first one would be 1619, uh, this podcast from the New York times that, uh, was actually, uh, promoted by, uh, or, or brought to my attention by, uh, 45 because I, you know, was just kind of checking in, seeing what the tweets were about. And of course I don't follow, um, the current president on Twitter because I just feel like it's a little bit you know, uh, you know, too much for me to handle. Let me, uh, let me get my alarm real quick. 
these are the these are the joys of uh of uh teaching uh teaching from home right i have got i've got bells yeah. going on in the background to keep my my uh first grader on task yeah that that was my son's 1005 uh zoom meeting so let yep. me uh let me give you my second one and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pause after that, or I'll just go give you the five because I don't want to give you context on all these, but yeah. um, you, United States uh, of Conspiracy, I guess that's uh, this kind of a cheat because that's four words, but that's a PBS doc on Frontline, uh, explored yesterday, it was published on the 29th of July. I went to bed right after that and had a dream about Alex Jones. Uh, so <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. That's terrifying. I don't know if that was a dream or a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you wake up and it's reality. Absolutely. The third one is going to be, I guess, the word equality. The fourth one is going to be racialized media, which is a textbook I got in the mail from the publisher uh, for free this week. Oh, cool. And uh, I'll be exploring that. I've been uh, on page two so far. So I'm just, just now getting into that. And then the fifth thing uh, is going to be Action Kid. Action Kid was uh, someone I stumbled upon in, in uh, on YouTube. Okay. Sort of in my you know rabbit trail of just you know being on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, he's a he's sort of a, a, a researcher in his own right. He uh, you know goes around New York City, walks around different neighborhoods, and just you know shoots and uh, kind of has a nice little personality to it and gives a little bit of narration. Pretty cool, cool guy. Okay. So there you go. There we go. All right. Well, uh, we are very pleased uh, to introduce our guest. Um, so uh, Marina Starleaf Riker is a reporter on the investigative team at the San Antonio Express News. She grew up in Hawaii and graduated from the University of Hawaii at uh, Manoa, I believe is how that's pronounced. In 2015, she worked for the nonprofit Honolulu Civil Beat, the Associated Press, and the Bend Bulletin in Oregon before moving to Texas in 2017 to join the staff of the Victoria Advocate. In February of 2019, she joined the Express News, where her reporting has largely focused on affordable housing issues and healthcare. She, is or she was recently named a finalist for the 2020 Livingston Award for Excellence in Local Reporting for an Investigative Series Examining Rising Evictions in San Antonio. So without further ado, uh, please welcome Marina Riker. Hello. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. So... Um, did we we introduced you, but did you want to provide any kind of uh, follow up or feedback in regards to is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, how do you like San Antonio? Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I should also kind of preface this. I just in case you hear some weird noises in the background. I uh, am a recent foster fail for two kittens that have decided right now is the time to run around the house like maniacs. So hopefully we won't have issues, but if it gets like too crazy, we can try to deal with it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, uh, no it's funny. Yeah, you, it's funny you mentioned that. Tim and I were just talking about having uh, elementary school aged children in adjoining rooms and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really unknown uh, at any point in time what, what may or may not happen, noises and things <laughs> otherwise. So, yeah. Um, well, Tim, did you want to get us started? Uh... Yeah, sure. Um, 
Marina, thank you for joining us. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Um, I reached out to Marina on Twitter. Uh, I guess that's the huge pro to having social media now is that we can connect uh, with, with our community. And uh, so uh, Marina, thanks for joining us. I'm almost like a kid in a candy store here because I, I have a huge admiration for, for investigative journalists and the work that you do. Uh, so I, we just want to shine a light on your work. And our podcast is primarily for students here at Northwest Vista College and in and around San Antonio that primarily are looking into communications, mass communications, uh, journalism, broadcasting, anything related to our field um, in, as a career. So it's, it's uh, imperative that we give them some uh, platform to listen to how they can go about doing that. So we're just stoked about it. We're excited that you're here. And uh, our questions are kind of going to be driven around that idea of giving students more clarity, right, on what, what it is that they can uh, do. What are their opportunities and, and why uh, is the work important and how they can sort of bring purpose to their lives in helping others? Because I think that's one of the things we lose uh, sight of when we begin our college career. So, um, yeah, this is my son too. So I, I, we, we got all kinds of things going on in this whole COVID era. Yep. Uh, we're multitasking. And so we'll talk a little bit about that as well, I'm sure too. So, um, yeah, we, we really wanted to know, um, you know, what, what your story was and how, how you came to be where you are today, which is, uh, you know, a, 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 a person of, of extreme, we, we, we think highly of you because of the work that you've done. I've been a fan of yours since, uh, reading your, your, um, your in-depth analysis and, and uh, reporting on evictions here in San Antonio. Uh, in, in this past December, I had a chance to read through uh, those, those articles. And uh, so I've been a big fan ever since of, of your reporting style and, and uh, you know, the, the importance of going deep and uh, finding the, the, the true facts of, of the matter and building context. So uh, if you would just kind of maybe give us a little bit of what your, uh, you know, story was, how you came to be to get to this point in your career? Yeah, so, uh, and I guess I should kind of preface this by saying, like, I was not one of those kids that grew up knowing that I wanted to be a journalist at all. Uh, that was not something that I had as a job that you could, like, I never thought that that was a job that I could really do, and I hated writing, <laughs> and I actually wanted to be an artist, um, and realized that actually being an artist isn't very financially stable, maybe I should go into photography, um, and then once I was in photography, I was like, well, I really like this kind of documentary style photography, so maybe I should try writing a little bit. And then that was kind of, it was really just like on a whim that I was like, well, maybe I should try journalism. And then in the beginning, I really thought that I just wanted to like be a music journalist and cover entertainment and stuff like that. So totally not what I'm doing now at all. Um, and then it was, I had a journalism class um, at UH Manoa where we were kind of given a topic that we could really dig and uh, kind of look into. And sure enough, after that, that was more newsy. Um, I realized, hey, I actually really like like digging into stuff and trying to find the truth in the matter. Um, 
So after that, I ended up, I was really lucky. I got an internship with Honolulu Civil Beat um, and was there for the first year of my career as an intern um, and was super fortunate there to have mentors who basically just kind of took me under their wing. And the goal of that nonprofit, um, it's, it's sort of like a Texas Tribune um, in less daily stuff. So it was really like the only daily stuff that we covered was covering the legislature. Um, and then I should also kind of take a step back to say I was so politically unengaged at that point that getting into journalism for me was a huge civic lesson. Um, I mean, I don't really remember my parents ever talking about local politics or local elections. I didn't really know how those things worked. Uh, so I think for me, it was just realizing like, oh my gosh, you can actually make a difference here. Um, and you can actually give other people the knowledge to be politically engaged and to make a change. Um, so then I was in Hawaii. I ended up moving to Bend. I worked there for a little bit. I covered city government, uh, did a lot of housing related stuff, um, and then took a job in Victoria. And three months after I moved there, Hurricane Harvey struck. And that just basically kind of changed. I was supposed to be covering city government, which of course I still did. But after that, like I had some housing reporting and kind of social inequalities and disparities uh, reporting under my belt to where after Harvey struck, that's when I really kind of realized, okay, like we have to hold the government officials accountable who are responding to this. Um, Cause people are just being totally left to dry. Um, so I was there for, I guess, a little over a year and then the job at the Express News opened up and I applied. I didn't think I would get it, <laughs> but here I am. That's great. That's awesome. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so one of the things we wanted to talk about was, um, you know, since we are talking to students and, and uh, I actually, this semester, I'm teaching a class in media writing. Um, so focusing on, on reporting uh, and things like that. So what particular skills do you feel like students should concentrate on if they're looking to go into journalism? Uh, and I was trying to kind of think about when I was a student, what did I go through and what was really tricky for me? And I think one of the biggest things which like looking back, if I had been better at it, is actually, uh, of course, writing is incredibly important. Being accurate is probably even more important than writing, um, but also incredibly important is how you pitch stories. So I think kind of starting to think about that now and think about, okay, well, what are all of my ideas? Because chances are when you are an intern or a young reporter and, you're just breaking into the industry, folks are gonna to try to have you cover meetings and things that you may not wanna cover as much. So if you're able to, if you have these really great ideas, um, you, chances are someone will want you to work on them. And it may be tag teaming with a more experienced reporter, but I would say like pitching is incredibly important. And one thing that I've kind of started to even really recognize now is of course like topics are important like we have the eviction series which i mean that focused on rising evictions but really like a topic isn't a story a person is a story so kind of that was a big tip for me when pitching things that it was like if you can find a person already attached to this 
it's much easier to kind of sell it to your editors. So I think that's kind of the, the big thing that I think will really help if you're able to sell what you want to do and you're really passionate about it and you have those ideas and kind of don't, don't be afraid to think big. Um, that's, that's kind of the, the major advice that I would have. Yeah, I think that's that hits on a on a concept that you know we study in, in like an intro to mass communication course, where we're studying theories about news and about how information flows, and why certain uh, issues come to the forefront of the mainstream. So I, I I'm interested to know more like like when you're in the news business, right? Like how much control of the agenda do the editors have say over the journalists and how, how does that dynamic play out? Um, it really depends on kind of the publication that I think you're at. Um, so if you can, and that's another piece of advice, I mean, reach out to the folks who are already working there. And if you know people who have worked there in the past, reach out to them too, and kind of do your own due diligence and as much digging as you possibly can into the publication that you think you want to work for. Um, because you do find, I mean, and I've, fortunately, I've worked under really great editors pretty much my whole career to where I felt like I've had the liberty to pitch these big ideas and say, I know we haven't tried this thing before, but I really think we should try it this time. Um, but, uh, but you can get yourself in a situation where someone is telling you exactly what you're covering every day. Um, and that's kind of where I think like just making, trying to do as much due diligence as possible and then also coming in with your own ideas to where if you are working on something that you want to work on and you're already busy with that, the editor isn't going to tell you to write about something else generally. I mean, that still happens, but that way at least you try to cover what you think is most important in your community. Uh, I know for the media writing class that I'm, I'm teaching, uh, we just, we just went over and covered, uh, this this very uh, hot button term that that has come back into favor these days or or in into being used, uh, fake news. Uh, and so, uh, from a journalist perspective, uh, what's your what's your take on how this term is used and how um, and how really un unfortunately journalism is 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 seemingly being viewed in such a negative light now. Yeah, and I guess it's it's kind of interesting for me because I started in Hawaii where of course you got some pushback to your stories and this was pre-2016. I graduated in 2015 so I had kind of a year before the really hotly contested election stuff started to happen um, and I while I had some criticism and comments it was nothing like the extent to where it is today where, I mean, you definitely, uh, and that's something that I think like, of course you kind of realize like you're gonna get all this hate mail through emails or Twitter or whatever, but I think, it, and it's something that still like kind of bothers me. Um, and I don't know if it ever will not bother me. And that's one thing that I think, especially if you're covering those issues, you've just gotta be, understand that those folks are, have beliefs that are kind of out of your control and you don't have to respond to them if you don't want to. Um, but that's where like there has been this huge shift in the public where you are seeing much more animosity toward journalists and i mean even 
my own relatives and stuff like that. So like with the people that I feel like I can reason with, I just kind of take a step back and say, hi, I'm going to remind you, I'm the quote unquote media that you're criticizing. And by the way, the media that you're criticizing doesn't really exist. Like there are thousands of different outlets. There are podcasters, there are YouTubers, there are newspapers, there are TV stations. Like who do you mean by the media? So I think that is, and I don't know whose responsibility it is, um, but I think just trying to educate the public as much as possible about what we do, how we do it, what thought processes go into it, how our work is vetted. So I think that's like, I, I really hate the term fake, fake news and I don't use it, um, but I think that's kind of how I've just tried to maybe make a slight difference is with the folks that I feel like I can reason with. I try to just really explain why we do what we do and why it's important. That's yeah. really, yeah, that's really good. If I could chime in on that, because I think that's a really important, and, and it's, it's, it's important for, for many reasons, but it's, 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 the, it's the generational, uh, I would say, dilemma, where you have a, a group of young students, and we got this one last week, and it was, oh, wow, tell me how you really feel about CNN and Fox, because it, it, initially, it's, I, the term is then associated with, with cable news, right, for young people, because they see their parents watching it. Um, but just because it's, you know, framed in a certain way, it's, it's, you know, deemed as biased, but, it, but then, you know, you have the fringes of, hey, well, I'm just going to throw it all under this umbrella term when I don't even know what that means. And there's, you know, different, different uh, ways to define that. So I think breaking down the etymology of the term itself is important. Aside from, uh, you know, also not using in which I think if you use it, you glorify it. Um, but, but that's important. I think, I think establishing the process and, and educating them on the process of, hey, we go through these, you know, these, these protocols. Um, and and it's, it, it's, 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 it's an opportunity to give students an education about journalism ethics. Right, and and establishing that there there are, you know, checks and balances when it comes to, you know, local journalism that is from your paper, right, uh, versus a news blogger who's you know doing whatever they want, um, and so I think that 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 term news literacy is 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 huge, right? It's important to to continue to, to find advocates and, and, and folks that are willing to, to come alongside us, right, in this, in this battle of, hey, let's reclaim, our, let's reclaim our, our truth, right? Let's reclaim our, our institutions of truth. And that being, you know, your, your local news agency, right? That, that, that is, uh, you know, it, they have stakeholders, right? There are people that are, that are watching, right? There are people that are reading, um, but it's important to establish that, that standard, right? That, 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 that's the reason why we trust in our local news agency, because, you know, there, there are standards, there are, there's a protocol here. It's not, let's just put up what we feel and, and it's online. Um, and we, you know, we could spend a whole semester, uh, we could spend a whole lifetime, right? Talking about this and why, 
that's important. But yeah, just just the the sheer amount of of channels, right? The the proliferation of of information, and 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 in a lot of cases, what we're what we're learning now is the revelations of misinformation uh, and disinformers, right? Those that intend to misinform you, right? Um, so we, you know, we, we just are, we're, we're just happy to be having this conversation because I think it's a, it's a wonderful insight from the practitioner standpoint, right? And those of us that sit in the academic world and say, here, here, are, here are the reasons why, you know, we have all these issues right now uh, is because we've lost trust in, in what is, what is in, intended to be an institution that is serving as that fourth branch of government, right? The, the opportunity to have that venue, right? That, that solidified venue uh, is, is uh, it, unfortunately what a lot of young uh, people are not, are not you know, keen to. They're not, uh, they're not tuned in as much as we would like them to be because it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a different world we live in now. So I just I I appreciate your comments on that because I think that's uh, extremely important to, you know, to solidify the fact that we're we're in a different age and yes you are the media but what exactly who who is they right uh, and 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 I think it's I think it's extremely important that we continue that that conversation of news literacy, uh, especially here in San Antonio and around our country. Well, and one thing that I one point that I always like to make and of course this like folks shouldn't just with a broad brush condemn the national media either because they they are doing incredible work but i mean the one thing that i always try to argue at least for folks on a local level is we live in the community we do not want to see things more polarized or see bad things happen like we care and we want to improve our communities so that's kind of one thing it's like when folks are saying y'all are just, and this is something that I get a lot, it's like y'all are just fear mongering or you're trying to be more divisive or whatever it is. And it's like, no, we believe that we can give you the facts and all of you will be able to make these informed decisions to help make where we live a better place. Like that is our goal. We wanna see where we live improved too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The one thing that uh, that your comments made me think about is so the textbook that we use the uh, the author uh, has a list of the what he calls seven secrets uh, that that they don't want you to know about and and two of the secrets one of them is uh, there's no such thing as mainstream media so just like you were saying um, you know there there there's all these different outlets and so there isn't this you know imaginary Oz that exists that just you know, puts me puts puts things out there because it makes people mad. Uh, and then the other secret that he talks about all the time is he talks about there is no they, right? And so you know, uh, yeah, reporters are are the they, or or uh, uh, yeah, anyone we want to be the they is the they. So, um, so that's interesting that yeah, you you talk about these things, and I think that that's really really important. Um, so so yeah, talking about. Uh, you know, the fact that the journalists live in these communities and want to be a part of these communities. Um, talk about how, you know, 
we try to instill in our in our students why it's so important to reach out to local news sources whether that's the local news on tv whether that's the express news or whether that's um the now called the san antonio report which used to be the rivard report so so why is it so crucial that those that that the community, our students, um, engage in those local news outlets. I think, and, well, and I think that almost kind of speaks to when you talk about like voting in local elections. Like, why should you not just vote in the national election? Because the folks who are making decisions in your community have a huge amount of power over your life. Um, so, I mean, when you look at the pandemic in terms of the city's response, I mean, them allocating millions of dollars to housing and now millions of dollars to economic recovery. Like, these are things that will benefit you, um, but if you don't know about them, you can't tap them. Or on the flip side, like if city officials are doing things that you don't think they should be doing, these are your tax dollars. And we, our goal is to provide you with that information for you to go ahead and hold them accountable if you so choose. So I think that's kind of why it just gets down to kind of a fundamental, like the, what do you need to know as an informed citizen? And of course you need to know what's going on in a national and a state level, but it's really important for you to know what's going on locally. And we're the only ones who cover that. Yeah, I, I was uh, remembering in January, um, this was before the, before the college had, had uh, stopped face-to-face -face courses in the spring. And I had just come off fresh from, from reading your uh, series about evictions in San Antonio. And we were talking about financial support and financial aid. Uh, you know, to students who had just started the spring semester. And one of the, the statistics that stood out to me, uh, and I mentioned this to my students because, you know, I, I say, you know, we're talking about, you know, do you have your financial aid in place and, you know, has your loan come in or whatever it is, right? Because they're, they're settling in and, and some students start fresh in the spring, they're brand new. Um, so we always make it an, an effort to, to discuss the finances of their lives uh, before we even get to, you know, to the course content. So this is like the first week. And I said, the reason that we're talking about this is, you know, let's be honest here. Um, Bear County, right? Our city is one of the, the largest, poorest cities in the, in, in the nation, right? If not the poorest. Uh, and, and, a student said, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, I, I, I just gather from the data, right? I, I'm making an assumption here, but it's all based on a report that was done. And it said, uh, I think it was like 33 evictions happen in one day in our, in our city. And that's according to the Express News. And I just saw all of my 24 students' eyes just light up and, and get big because they had no idea that it was this bad. Um, and so, I, you know, and then I follow it up with, with something that uh, is important to also mention because in, in, in saying that to an audience of, of young students who uh, probably grew up in a pretty uh, well-to-do uh, environment, I'm making that assumption, but, but, but majority of them, you know, uh, don't realize that that is a reality uh, because they don't live in the inner city. Um, that that that's 
just that alone, like that conversation alone uh, carried us to have a, a much different set of dialogues uh, throughout the course of the semester about poverty and about uh, inequalities that exist in our, just in our backyard, right? And I said, you can have this perspective too. Um, just, you know, read, the, read, your, read your paper, right? Read your local news um because they're doing some wonderful work and it, it's 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 a perspective like you said that that only can be covered by um you know by, by trained uh investigative journalists like yourself so uh again i just appreciate your work but i i think a lot of that is is again going back to educating our students about you know what what is because i i don't know i'm 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 in my late 30s so growing up i i saw my dad read the paper uh, and have his coffee, right? That iconic sort of idea of, you know, what it's what it's like to to engage uh, in your in your news locally. Whereas the the students we have now don't they don't have that, right? They didn't have that uh, visual growing up. So uh, I think that's imperative to to just you know bring out what work is being done, right? To to share with others in hopes that they would, you know, engage that way too. Well, and if it if it helps, because I think I I'm 26, so I definitely I think fall kind of on the cusp of a newspaper. Like, what's that? Um, <laughs> so, but we do we have Instagram, we have Twitter, like, and you can I mean yes I think you should be reading like the full article, but I understand that folks are really busy, and I mean you can subscribe to our newsletters too, which like that. And, and they're phenomenal. It's an email that you get every day that basically explains all of our ma major headlines and what happened in the story to where like, even if you just read that newsletter, you can operate with, I mean, relative knowledge about what's going on in your community. You're not going to know the specifics, but at least you're going to know what's happening. So, I mean, like we definitely have other ways where like if you don't have the time to sit down every day and I know folks are really busy we have those other ways you can still stay informed yeah and I know that's yeah, one that's, that's one thing I that I think we both probably try to, to try to preach to students every day before class as it starts I ask students to bring any kind of current events that that are interesting to them and the specific thing I always ask them is I ask them where they saw it or where they found it uh, and and it doesn't usually take but a couple classes for them to figure out that telling me that they found it on Twitter is not an, is not an answer because Twitter doesn't create content. Uh, so they have to tell me that they found it from an Express News journalist or they found it from this YouTuber that they follow on Twitter or whomever. And so, um, so yeah, so that's, 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 that is crucial to remember that the Express News and other local outlets do have social media presences and things like that. Um, but it's it's it it's hard because finding the the express news journalists and the express news in the sea of social media uh is is difficult sometimes so um yeah so one thing so i'm a i'm a movie person i'm i'm really big into movies and and so when you think um you know um, investigative journalism, you think of movies like Spotlight or Aaron Brockovich or these, these, these very romanticized, I suppose, versions of, of what uh, 
actual uh, investigative journalism is. So, so with that and with those views that our, our listeners might have, um, what is it really like to be in the trenches, so to speak, getting these, uh, digging deep to get into these, these, uh, these questions? So I, watching Spotlight, I think there was a part of the movie where I can't remember who exactly it was, but they were, they spent a really long time in the scene just like flipping, like page after page after page after page. And it was just hours and hours. That's very accurate. <laughs> um, I would say today it's not so much that we're going through physical documents because everything's electronic. But I mean, with the eviction project, for example, we had a database of... I guess it was 2011 through 2018 eviction records. Um, and I mean, cleaning data on Excel takes a really long time. So that's when I'm doing database projects, that's a lot of what investigative journalism looks like. It's like data cleaning, making a lot of phone calls. I would say, and that's like the fun part is probably honestly making phone calls because you are trying to figure out exactly what is happening and if you are someone who's maybe a little nosy by nature uh it's just a fantastic job for you because and you do you learn so much throughout the process so i think that's kind of it generally my days are a ton of phone calls and then a ton of data digging and in the era of search engines um a lot of investigative reporting is like kind of fancy google Google searches to try to find records that sometimes governments don't realize they put on the internet or uh, that they that the PIO tells you that they don't have on the internet when in fact they actually do. It's right there. Um, and then a lot of it is filing public records requests, which if you're filing a lot of those, that takes a long time too. Um, so it's kind of, some of it is I think like it is glamorous, especially once you publish it, <laughs> but the lead up, it can be just very long and taxing and frustrating. And then for me, my kind of least favorite part of the process is always like confronting the folks that we're actually investigating. And that gives me just a ton of anxiety, but it's just part of the job. And I think it makes my kind of whole philosophy is that I try to do no surprises journalism. So you try to reach out as soon as you know you're looking into this thing and this person might be an issue, you reach out to them and just say, hey, we're looking into this thing. Do you wanna to talk to us about it? Cause you can get a lot, and at least that way, like if your kind of hypothesis for your reporting is wrong, sometimes you're able to figure that out early where instead of spending weeks on something. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful piece of insight there. And um, I'm wondering too, like in the digital age when, you know, we're all obviously working from, from home right now um, due to the pandemic, but does your, do you feel like your work ever stops or, or do you feel like, you know, uh, like what is your sort of day-to-day -day like as far as, you know, I'm going to, you know, have a slow morning or, or the actions all at night, or I guess, I guess that's, that's also too what I, a lot of students are, you know, maybe have anxiety about when choosing a career is like, well, I don't, I don't know how it's going to work out. Like how, how does the sort of work life balance work or, you know, how, how does that, how does that play out for you as a journalist? 
Um, so I think part of the work-life balance thing is you want to do your research before getting to a publication. Because I have had experiences where editors have texted me at like four in the morning or 11 p.m. at night and you're expected to answer your phone all the time. That is not what happens at the Express News, which is wonderful. Like we're encouraged to actually like take time off and if you need a mental health day, go do it. Um, but generally, and the pandemic has really shifted things for me as well, because typically I work on the project team, which means that we are spending months on just like one story. Um, but I've done a lot of breaking news over the last six months. Uh, so when, when there is breaking news, that's when your day is pretty unpredictable. Um, so I kind of think, I mean, we've said, when the pandemic first started, of course, I was like, oh, it'll be a couple months, and then here we are six months in. Uh, but generally, like, when it's kind of normal, quote unquote, uh, I am able to plan my days. Right now, for example, I'm actually finishing up another big investigative project that will most likely run within the next month, month or so that's looking at maternal health. Um, so right now we're actually in like the final ed editing stages of that. So we're going through all of our drafts, which is fairly predictable. Like it's just waiting, your editor goes through them and then you do the rewrite. Then it's figuring out what sort of graphics do we need? What copy do we need to tweak? Um, and then my, when I'm not in the midst of like a big project, that's when I'm out and about a lot more trying to figure out what my next project is. And I kind of always try to have things like in my back pocket. So that way, as soon as I'm done with one, I'm already pitching the other. So that way I'm always kind of working on what I feel like is really important for me to be working on. Um, but I, at least, I mean, it's fairly predictable. Like I work like nine to five or six or 10 to seven. So it's, unless I have something at night, I mean, it's a fairly, compared to a lot of other folks, it's a fairly predictable job. That's cool. That, that's, that's really good information uh, for the students. I know, yeah, they always wonder what the day-to-day -day life is going to be. Um, so as, as a journalist, specifically, I suppose, as an investigative journalist, what, what's been the most rewarding story you've worked on or, or uh, thing you've, you've uncovered or, yeah? I think the, it's really tricky because there are, I think there are things that were kind of like logically rewarding and then there were things that were really emotionally rewarding for me so I think the eviction series was by far just one of the most general rewarding things because uh, it I think it did do what it was supposed to do in informing the public and informing policy making decisions um, and I think we've seen much more nuanced discussions about evictions as a whole across our communities since then um, probably like the most amazing experience I've had as a human and also as a journalist was uh, back in April. Uh, and this wasn't super investigative, this was more narrative, but I was able to follow a couple as the wife uh, gave birth uh, in a hospital in Uvalde and the husband actually watched the birth from outside of the window. Um, so they were, there were no visitors allowed in the hospital because of the pandemic. Wow. So we rushed to the hospital at two in the morning to meet them there. Um, and we're there for, 
I mean, almost the entire time they were there. Um, and that, like, I don't, I don't have children and I had never, like, witnessed a birth before. And just being able to, like, be there and see that and just, like, see, even separated through this pane of glass, just, like, this couple entering this, like, bringing this new life into the world, which was amazing. Um, and the, then the good thing is we actually wrote about it. And then about two weeks later, the hospital actually changed its policy to allow support people in the delivery room. So that was something that, I mean, even in some of the hardest hit communities, we weren't seeing that policy and folks had kind of said, no, it's really necessary for birthing people to actually have an advocate there with them. Um, so that, it, it, so it actually, it was kind of one of those things where I wondered like how long would that policy have gone on since it was a, a very small community where definitely no one else would have written about it. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I just visualizing that as you, as you speak and, um, Marina, I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be probably the first one to read that when it comes out because, uh, yeah, your work is just phenomenal. I think, um, that as you said, the, the series on evictions is, uh, it, it, it's excruciating to, to read it but it, it, it brought me a, a completely different perspective um, and, and really just brought me back down to reality, you know, because a lot of the, a lot of these things we don't see in the Northwest side of San Antonio, um, you know, we're, we're pretty fortunate to, you know, have jobs, right. That, that, uh, you know, others may not have that uh, same, same opportunities. And, and it really, it really speaks to, to poverty, right? And so, and then in this case, you know, looking at the the counties that surround us, these rural counties that uh, I'm sure you guys have reported uh, a lot about with regards to the, the digital divide and, and how students are having to learn online and uh, just the challenges that they face with not having access to, you know, to, to high-speed internet, to Zoom with their teachers and things like that. So, um, yeah, this this work is is so imperative, and um, I wanted to ask you because I know I, I know we had a list of questions, but I, I as you're talking, I just continue to think of what else we could we could uh, learn from you. Um, what what would you say to students who were interested in you know maybe they have that curiosity and they they want to investigate or or you know e even if it's not necessarily being a writer, but maybe just in the news industry alone uh and what 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 advice would you give them what would be something if they're in college uh that you wish someone would have told you um as you were in school what, what would be some advice that you could share with our students um i guess just even consider it as a possibility because that was something that i really did not consider until it kind of just fell in my lap and I was like oh well this sounds like a really cool thing to do to where like I think if you do kind of have this drive where you feel like you do want to try to make things a better place and you do really like digging into stuff and maybe you are a little as I said nosy by nature um I, I like I guess the first thing is reach out to journalists who you do admire. Um, like I will be happy to field questions and talk to students too if they just reach out. Um, and then the other thing too, which I think I, in the beginning, I, I think I had an understanding because I 
just didn't know where to go to stories. So of course I would ask the community, but bring your own personal experiences to kind of help you with your reporting. So like, and, and use contacts like everywhere in your life to kind of generate story ideas. So that's something that I think like, we think of like, oh, I need to go find this story. And it's like, no, really there are stories all around you. And you just really have to be a good listener. And then if you see that, you know, something isn't really right, or there's this government system that could have been working better and how many people are affected by it. I think it's just kind of having a really open mind when you go in your reporting. Um, and then I think the other big thing that I try to practice as much as possible is just to think about ahead of time, like how your reporting is actually gonna serve the people that you're writing about. Because I think that's a big issue that we've seen in journalism where I think that's where we've, we as journalists in some cases have kind of wrecked that trust with communities is when we are just, we dive in, we write the story from our own perspective and then we leave. And yes, we have this great story, but like what did we actually do or change or improve other than just them taking a bunch of time to talk and invest with us and then they don't really have anything to show for it. So I think that's something like, especially if you're in local news, you really need to think about, okay, how am I gonna do this that will hopefully generate an impact or at least not like exploit the people that we're writing about. So I think that's something like that you don't really, maybe you hear it more often now, but I didn't ever really hear that when I was younger. And I think that that's something that I just always try to think about as much as possible now. Okay, yeah. That's good stuff, thank you. That, uh, that kind of leads me to a, a question a, a little bit about your background. Um, and since you answered that question that way, did you, did you run into some issues with that being that you're, <clears throat> you're not a born and raised San Antonio native? Um, that you're, you know, you're from Hawaii and, and, and yeah, have, has that, has that been a challenge in your career at all? Yeah, that, and even when I was in Oregon, like people from Oregon are very anti-outsiders because I was in kind of a more rural community, well, it was a city in the center of Oregon, which is very rural compared to like where Portland is. It's about three hours from Portland. So I think, and that's one thing that especially coming in when you are an outsider, like there are good things about that because you can come in and say, well, I saw this thing work really well in this other place. We're not doing that here. But then a lot of it is like, you are gonna miss so much of the lived experiences of everyone else in, in your community that you have to be really conscious about that. So that's something that like, I probably don't have the best well, I, I just still, I'm learning and I need to keep doing that now. And, and I probably will always need to keep focusing on that. And that's something that I think like we do need to talk about more in newsrooms and just in general is like, are, are we missing things by, and well, and that comes back to like hiring a diverse newsroom and hiring people from within your community. And that's something that the journalism industry as a whole has a major issue with. Um, so I think that's also something that like we just need to talk about and the folks who are empowered to make those decisions really need to talk about. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's really great that you, that you talked about that. Tim and I have, uh, have talked in this podcast about, uh, about racial issues, especially with the, the summer of, of unrest as they're kind of calling it, uh, 
And so, uh, yeah, so I, I wondered, I wonder too, being a, a, an individual, uh, a white person that grew up in San Antonio, um, yeah, I, I'm always interested in, pers- in the perspective of, of other individuals, especially in the line of work that you're in, uh, being that you are not a, a person of color, but we obviously live in a city that is dominated by people of color. Um, and so how, yeah, I, um, you kind of answered it, but is there anything more you'd like to speak to that? Um, other than just, if you are interested in this kind of work and you live here, please reach out to me and I will do my best to help you. That's, yeah. That's a, that's a great message. Um, that's, that's awesome. So, uh, to kind of, to kind of wrap things up, um, would you, would you tell us how, um, how people can get in touch with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so I am on Twitter, uh, which I'm on more than I would like to be on, uh, which is, my handle is Marina Starleaf, so M-A-R-I-N-A-S-T-A-R-L-E-A-F, um, and then my Express News email is my first name, Marina, M-A-R-I-N-A dot, my last name, Riker, R-I-K-E-R, at express-news.net. Um, and, and that's one other thing that I want to add, whether it's me, whether it's another journalist that they really admire. I mean, I am so fortunate where when I was in my early career, I had folks who helped read my resume for me, helped me edit cover letters, helped give me feedback on clips and like, and all that sort of stuff. Like, it doesn't take very long to where like ask for help is I guess kind of what I'm saying. Um, and I, I mean, I don't, and that's actually just kind of good practice of being a journalist is even if you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm nervous about reaching out to this person. It's like, you're going to have to do that all the time. So just reach out to them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a common thread we have in this podcast is hearing from our practitioners that you have to be willing to put yourself out there, pick up the phone and call somebody um, right. So it's great that you said that because I think our last guest, our PR consultant, was, uh, you know, mentioning the same thing. And uh, this has been a, an amazing uh, piece of, of 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 work here that you've done so far, where you've been in the San Antonio community. Uh, so I applaud you again on that. I've i I'm from Dallas. I've I've lived here for 20 years though, and I'm still learning uh different places in san antonio than and the people um and it's just it i think the the ethnographic part of your work right you've, you've learned a lot about the community in, in such, such a short amount of time uh and and i think that's one of the you know one of the indirect benefits and and pleasures right the rewards of your work is you get to actually meet the the, the people and and the stories and the struggles that we that we go through as humans right that's I think uh, I think it's important, and, and a lot of students when they when they come to college, uh, at least in my in my experience, it was okay. What kind of job is going to help me get a you know get some good money, right? Um, and I don't know if it's until later that you start to realize, like you know, uh, what's most important is is purpose. Uh, yes, you got to pay bills, right? You got to put food on the table, but uh, once you've established that, uh, I think it's I think. I think it doesn't come a little bit later, maybe like the, the political uh, action, right? The, uh, the, the, the fact that you have to actually engage and, and do your sacred duty and vote every two years or every, every election, right? Even for your local officials. 
Um, so just, I think just that, that, that maturity factor, right? I think it, 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 it resonates maybe like in our early twenties, hopefully. Um, and it's not to chastise any, any, uh, a student who's listening, who's maybe 18, 19. I think it's a, it's imperative to know that we've had these conversations because, um, you know, we, we, we want you to continue to ask yourselves, you know, why am I here? Right. What do I, what, what is, what is my contribution? Right. Uh, and, and how can I make change with others? Cause I can't do it alone. Right. And it's much, uh, it's much more joyous when you can do it with others. And, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why each of us do the work that we do. Right. And so that's, what's going to sustain, you know, your, you know, your decision about what you, what you decide to do. So I, I can only imagine, um, you know, having to make these career decisions and, you know, in, during this time, uh, because it was hard enough doing it, uh, you know, in 04 when I got out of school, uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. But um, it's, it's evident that, uh, Marina, you have a passion for what you do. We're thankful that you're here in this community uh, doing the work that you do. I've, I've spoken with Vince Davis before uh, with the Express oh, News. He's awesome. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, and uh, he, did, he did some work with educational uh, content, so that was pretty cool. Um, but is there, is there any other things that you'd want to, to share with our audience, our students, um, before we kind of wrap things up here? I guess uh, the one thing, just kind of based on what you said, it is okay to not know what you want to do, too, because I think I was definitely in that situation where like, if you really don't know and you're scared and you don't know what it's gonna look like, uh, that's okay. And chances are things will work out and there'll be things you never expected. But I think the big thing is just kind of knowing, I mean, if you kind of have this drive to like find the truth, seek it out, do your digging and do it in a way that serves your community, you'll do really well, kind of no matter where you go. Great. That's awesome. Yeah, those are those are definitely uh, a good good words to end on. Uh, so Absolutely. thank you thank you again for talking with us and being on the on the podcast. Uh, I think uh, that's that's it for for Tim and I. Uh, hopefully um, hopefully you listen in next time, and uh, yeah, be sure to check us out on on Anchor and uh, leave any messages you have for us. Uh, and yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Make sure that you uh, at least get uh, some exposure, if not subscribe to the San Antonio Express News. It's only $6.49 if you get the digital package. And that's once a month. That's You can't beat that. To be well-informed, it's worth it. Um, so thank you again, Marina, for, for uh, responding to me. I was very surprised. You, you, you probably, I wish I would have recorded my uh, response, uh, my video response. Cause I'd be, you know, I was jumping up and down literally like, Oh my gosh, I heard from, from someone from the express news. So I'm just so thankful that you joined us and uh, I'm sure our students are going to benefit greatly from our, from our interview with you and on today's podcast. Well, thank, thank you. you guys. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And if there's any way I can help again in the future, just let me know. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Marina. Take thank care. You.